You know, it's a rainy and dreary evening here and early morning, actually, in the Scottsdale area. Slight drizzle. Very unusual, of course, in Arizona for it to ever rain, but this year we've had a little more than normal. I'd like to set the scene for you. I'm here in the McDonald's parking lot about half an hour before I go to work, chomping out content just for you folks, because I know how much you love the content. It's been so long, you know, since the last time that we put something out. Uh, we had a little help today, though. We used the uh, ChatGPT. Are you familiar with that? If you're not, it's an artificial intelligence chat box. You go in there and type questions, it'll answer you. It's kind of like a Google search uh, on steroids. And so I used it to try to get it to to type a blog post for me because, you know, I don't want to write anymore. I don't want to work hard anymore. That's why I stopped going into the whole um, written podcast, written blog. You know, I would write something down, spend hours researching, writing it, rewriting, and, you know, get nowhere in life with that. So I decided why not just go in and, and do what most people do and just chat about something stupid, and uh, so that's what I've decided, been, you know, this podcast has become, that's what we were doing here, and uh, so what I did was I tried to, I hadn't used that chat GPT thing before, and wasn't too, I wasn't too impressed, I hadn't been very impressed, uh, and I think most people who've never used it aren't very impressed with it, it just sounds kind of silly, and uh, I can tell you though that it's a little bit more complex than you assume it to be. Uh, once you get around to it. it. Initially, I asked it to write a blog post, and I was like, okay, read my... I gave it the website, and uh, it looked at it, and it, all it did was really... It glanced at a few keywords, like the self-help center. So it's like, oh, you're into self-help. Here, let me write a blog post about self-help. And I'm like, nope, you got that wrong. That's not what the blog is about. And uh, so I, eventually I was like, here's just one blog post. Write it in this style. So it read that, and it did a lot better job. Um, but in the end, uh, it's got like a tilt towards like cheerfulness and happiness and stuff like that that's not in my blog and not in my podcast and not in my life. And so I, you know, gave it some more instructions like, hey, um, don't make it so cheerful. Um, you know, this blog is sarcastic and stuff like that. And so it finally goes, oh, okay, I get it. You, you want this. And so it, it spit out something that was far more, um, far more down the line of what I actually say, what I sound like. And it did a pretty good job. I mean, it stole most of what I said when it, when it rewrote the the blog post that I gave it to uh, a sample of it basically just rewrote it, um, and it stole most of the the good lines. And so it you know it's not it's not that good in terms of just creating its own content. And you still have to to go in there and 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 explain things to it a little. But uh, let me let me start you off with uh, the blog post as it created it. Uh, it's the title is the harsh reality of living in the new economy, um, and and frankly, the it writes a little better than I do, which is kind of sad. Uh, it says, as I sit here typing away, I can't help but feel like a failure. I'm 50 years old and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I've been living in a condo for years, but now the good times are over. 
I'll be looking for a new place to live in the worst rental market in years. Living by yourself is the fastest way to poverty in the new economy. It's impossible to room alone in the Phoenix area. Studies go to... Studios go for more than what I make in a month, and one-bedroom apartments cost more than three, owning three trailer homes in Arkansas. It's like the system is rigged against people like me, people who can't seem to catch a break. I may have to travel back to Palm, Palmetto, a.k.a. the Palm Ghetto, or live with some friends here and rent a room from them. Either way, it's more proof that I'm a loser. I have a 20-year-old friend, that, and they have their own house and car, and sometimes I can't afford to Uber home when I have groceries. It's a harsh reality that I can't seem to escape. The truth is that the middle class is crumbling. It's not just me who's struggling. The American dream is dead, and I can't wait to see those smug assets who walked, who talked up the triumph of capitalism to take it on the chin. In the end of the American century, it's the end of the American century, and living standards are declining. Now's the time to give up hope, just like me. I'm not writing this to garner, garner pity or sympathy. I'm writing this to shed light on the harsh reality of living in the new economy. We're all just one step away from losing everything we've worked for, and there's no safety net to catch us. We're all on our own, struggling to survive in a world that doesn't care about us. As I finish this post, I can't help but f feel a sense of despair. Well, that's just the new normal. Maybe we're all destined to feel this way, forever searching for our way out of our misery. The only thing I know for sure is that things are not going to get better. The ending may not be cheerful, but it is truth. And then it now goes on to say the content may violate our content policy because it's way too depressing and sad, apparently, that uh, it uh, is worried that maybe uh, it's so sad that uh, you're going to maybe kill yourself or something. I don't know. Uh, you can't say the word kill yourself probably on podcasts, but I just did. So let me explain to you, or let me... Uh, let me compare you to the, what I wrote. It's called Welcome to Failure Town, USA, Population U. I'm 51. Welcome to America, where everyone is a failure, too. I'm 50 now, and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Of course, if you've been reading this blog for any time, you probably figured that out already. After years of subsidy living in a condo that was rented to me at below market level, the good times are over. I'll be looking for a new place to live in the worst rental market in years. Truth is, living by yourself is the fastest way to poverty in the new economy, and it's impossible to room alone in the Phoenix area. Studios go for more than I make in a month, and a one-bedroom apartment costs more than owning three trailer homes in Arkansas. I may have to travel back to Palmetto, a.k.a. the Palmetto, or live with some friends and rent a room from one of them. Either way, it's more proof that I'm a loser. I have a 20-year-old friend, and they have their own house and a car, and I can't afford to Uber home when I have groceries. I mean, the millennials figure out a way before you, if, I mean, when millennials figure life out before you, you've got some explaining to do. And the truth is, I just don't have an explanation other than my ineptitude. Now, the good thing about being a failure these days is that there's going to be a lot more of you joined to join me. The middle class is crumbling, and frankly, I can't wait to see you smug assets who walked up, who talked up, I keep saying walked up, the triumph of capitalism to take it on the chin. It's the end of the American century, and living standards are declining. Now is the time to give up hope, just like me. So it, it extended a little bit about what I said. And um, frankly, I thought I was better written than the stuff that I threw out. I mean, that was a, a kind of a throwaway post that I didn't even include in the podcast. But uh, nevertheless, it writes better than me. I'm not going to pretend that it didn't. Uh, it does. Um and so I think from now on, I'll just send everything that I write through ChatGPT, and we'll clean it up that way, maybe. Uh, I tried writing it, um, I tried giving it an entire blog post that was really long. It was probably a 20-minute, 30-minute 
um, it would, would have been like a 30 minute podcast. And I tried to get it to rewrite it. And it was like, that's way too long. I can't, I can't even look at it. So you couldn't, you have to go online and, uh, you're, you're talking to it and, uh, it just, it doesn't have the ability to, to read all that and, uh, make a comment, I guess it, it is too much information, which doesn't make any sense. But, um, and I'm drinking part of my soda while I make this. Part of that's probably just because it, they don't want it to, to do have that capability. Because obviously it can read all kinds of things. I got into a conversation with it about uh, Marx's theory. Uh, uh, there's a book that I was reading called Reclaiming Marx. And uh, very complicated. In, in fact, of all the books I've read, I've been reading Marx for 30 years. Uh, not that that's impressive or anything, but... Um, I've never had a problem reading a book or finishing it. Uh, maybe surplus value, two, three. The surplus values are a lot of math. Uh, I mean, the math's not more complicated than basic algebra because I don't think Marx understood uh, mathematics beyond basic algebra. Um, but I don't like algebra and I don't like math. And so, And it was just a lot of silliness in that sense. So I never finished those books or, or really tried to get into them. And I'm not a big fan of Marxian economics anyway. I'm much more a fan of his philosophical work. So I, I've kind of skipped that. But I was talking... I tried to take a read this book that was really, really complicated. Um, and then it just go, it dives into Marxist economics. And um, I never finished it because of that. I was like, this book's maybe too complicated. I'd have to actually read Marxist, Marxist economics and I'd have to read uh, more secondary literature on it. And I've never done that and uh, didn't really want to. But I did have a conversation with the chat GBT about it. And um, it, it gave you basically kind of a Wikipedia on the book. Like it knew the book just by, you know, it can look up the book. But it doesn't know the inside of the contents really. But you could manage to get it to... Um, have like a pretty decent sounding conversation, uh, you know, like a college level um, response whenever it asked you questions or whenever you asked it questions. Not initially. You, you'd have to, to know a little bit about the, the subject to be able to ask it a question to get it to go, oh, okay, let me dive into this a little more. But uh, my guess is when it has access to every book, because it certainly doesn't now, but when it can have access to every book, it will know much better and will understand things at a far level higher than uh, humans. That That's coming. It's still not conscious. It still doesn't get anything. It just still doesn't understand anything. And even when it writes, it still has kind of a soulless vacuum, uh, I think, that's to it. Because I think the first uh, response of mine was, it still sounded kind of, that the first one that it said, that uh, or that first blog post that it wrote, uh, still seemed kind of generic in a way. That's hard to understand, I think. Or hard for me to explain. Perhaps there isn't. It's just because I didn't write it. I'm going to say it's soulless, but uh, there's a there's a bit of it to it, a bit ofness. Uh, I don't know, kind of genericness to it. And of course, any of the interesting lines were just pure verbatim for me. Like it just stole a couple of good lines. And you know the uh, GPT Chat GPT. May have passed the Turing test, so that's probably a landmark idea. I posted a, as I said, the uh, blog post that had been written by the chat, and uh, it convinced a number of people 
who were in my Facebook that uh, I had written it and that uh, I was feeling down and low and was there something that people could do for me. So pretty sure that that whole chat GPT thing may have passed the Turing test because that would imply that, you know, can't tell the difference between uh, a human and an AI. That's the whole point of the Turing test. So, I'm continuing this uh, podcast here um, from the parking lot right here at uh, my work. Just got some uh, McDonald's again, two days in a row. Um, Had a little bit of a scare at the McDonald's, though. The uh, car wouldn't start. Waited about a minute, and then it started again. So, I don't know if the battery's dying I don't think the connection or anything. I looked through that. It doesn't look bad. So I don't know that maybe the battery's dying. I can't, there was no date on my battery. So I don't know what the date, how old the battery is or anything like that. So I'll have to get that checked out this weekend. Um, did some, uh, scrolling around there in the McDonald's while I was eating and I came across something relevant to our podcast here. It's about a surveillance technology that predicts crime before it happens in 40% of Australian stores. It's a little-known company called Aurora that provides a crime intelligence product used in stores that are, you know, major stores in Australia. I don't, I don't know any of the names. I don't recognize any of the names. I don't think you will unless you live in Australia. But, uh, it says if you've bought groceries or filled your car with gas, shopped at a major Australian retailer, You've been surveilled by this uh, company. Jesus Christ, what the fuck was that? Something just blew into my car, on top of my car. It was like a rock or something. It's a very strong, uh, it was a a piece of wood. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's the sort of thing that's happening today. That's my, that's kind of been my luck there. So we'll finish up here. uh, It's promising to help combat retail time. Or retail retail crime, um, and what they do is they use it to track people. And while it doesn't offer facial recognition, it uses machine learning to help identify people's in, in, individuals. So you don't even need that kind of thing. You can still uh, you don't need facial recognition. They can still recognize who you are. Uh, they go by people's hair color, age. Uh, race is not included for it. That's just probably done to make uh, keep themselves woke and keep themselves from getting in trouble. But the platform can send mobile phone notifications to its users to allow people to, if uh, an automatic using an automatic license plate recognition system, if that system has been uh, alerted for some reason. It, it can detect stolen vehicles in their in their parking lot, uh, and allows an, as an investigative arm for law enforcement. All they have to do is punch in the details, and, and boom, they've got them. So they're you know, they're tied right in with uh, your police departments. And it records more than a hundred thousand crime events each month. Whatever a crime event is. And so, what I think people don't understand is, because, you know, they'll sell this as, well, look, your car got stolen and we can catch it for you. And uh, 
you know, if you get hit in the parking lot or if there's something like that, you know, we can find out about these uh, criminals running around. But what it's really doing is predicting your behavior before you do it as well. Setting up profiles for people. And, uh, and in the long run, all this is about control. You know, it sounds paranoid. It sounds like a uh, conspiracy theory. The goal is to end any kind of crime. The goal is to any kind of ill behavior, non-socialized behavior, um, and to be able to to watch you at all moments, which itself will be unsettling. And this is coming, and and the goal is to be in total control. That's what they want. Part two today was going to be uh, about uh, the long-awaited my warning about buying a car. Um, you know, I was when I was buying my car, um, I was talking to the finance guy, and he was fascinated by the fact that, well, he pretended to be fascinated at least by the fact that I had a podcast and wanted to know what podcast, where it was, and that sort of thing. He was going to definitely listen to it. So, Mister Jim, or whatever your name what name was, I don't remember. Here's the moment you've been waiting for. So, one of the things you have to wor to worry about when you're buying a car is, you know, they send you to that, you make your negotiation with the salesperson, and then you get to the finance guy. And the finance guy pretends like you never even talked to a, um, a salesperson, you know? I negotiated certain price. I didn't look at the paperwork. I assumed that when I signed the multiple papers uh, by my salesperson about the price, that that would have been honored, and uh, I, lo and behold, I get home and I start looking through the paperwork, and no, it's the I didn't get a, the price adjusted down to the internet price. I got I got the um, price that uh, was on the sticker. And if you know anything about America and about buying a car in America, that just doesn't happen. Nobody buys. Nobody pays the sticker price. Well, I paid the sticker price because I didn't look at the uh, paperwork. And as my brother and other people have commented on me, well, that's on me. Well, it is. Yeah, you should have read the paperwork. And I'm warning you guys now, if you're about to buy a car, if you've never bought a car before, make sure you read the paperwork. Um, you know, I, I did probably all the paperwork, which is a several-hour process normally. Uh, I did it in probably under 10 minutes. The, this is the fastest uh, purchase of a car, I think, maybe in human history. Faster than... Uh, most people would have guessed or be able to do it. It was a crazy amount of, uh, it just, he just ran through the stuff. I just signed things and, uh, he added on a, uh, $4,500 warranty, which didn't even go over how much it would cost. You know, just like, oh, this is what it'll, what it'll be with your monthly prices, with your monthly, um, you know, it'll go from 250 to 280 or 230 to 250 or whatever it was. And that's another way they get you. They don't tell you what you're actually paying. They're just telling you monthly fee. And there's not, and it's not even a warranty. It was a service contract, apparently. And that's a new thing in the in the uh, automobile industry. They're not they're not giving you a warranty. They're giving you a service contract. That might be better, in the sense that they're just they just have to honor the contract, 
and they don't have to, they, they can't nickel and dime you maybe with like, oh, this isn't covered, this isn't covered. But of course, the warranty that they cover only covers the engine and um, transmission. And so if anything else goes wrong with the car, you know, you're paying out that. And you paid $4,500, half the price of a car, just to get the, the engine okay. And I got to tell you, the cost of the engine is 4500 So you better hope it goes out, I guess. Well, there's something wrong with my car, and uh, I guess I'll have to go get that fixed Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Um, hopefully it's just the battery and they can replace that. Hopefully it's not something else. I'm, I'm guessing that's the, it's just the battery. But the battery for my car is $300. A little, in a little Nissan Cube, you wouldn't think $300. You'd think it'd be 50 bucks or something. 100 150 for a nice one. No, $300. So that's a, that's a little crazy. So that's my warning to you, is to read the paperwork. Uh, don't let these people pressure you. Don't let them... You know, he he had a lot to do. He was busy. He, had, he was behind five or six people who were being sold cars left and right. And uh, he wanted to get it done quickly, you could tell. Um, and, and, you know, you've been there for three hours, searching the car and test driving and uh, waiting for things. And you want to go home, too. And you want to, you're want you excited about getting your brand new car. You want to get it. But... Uh, you're going to save yourself thousands of dollars, possibly, by reading the paperwork and taking your time and not letting people bully you or um, assume that you're going to want something. You know, they're going to like, oh, of course you're going to want the warranty. Everyone wants the warranty. You know, every, you know, they try to sell you stuff. You probably don't need it. Uh, in general, those warranties aren't very good. Um, and, and in the end, they always find a reason not to pay. I do have one experience with a previous car with a warranty, and uh, for the most part, they did pay uh, if there was something wrong. But uh, you know, if you have a one bad caliber caliper and the other caliper is fine, but both are going to need to be replaced because when you re replace calipers, uh, they have, they both have to be replaced at the same time, according to mechanics. And uh, so, if one's fine, it'll replace it. And now they won't replace the second one just because, well, it's it's perfectly mechanically fine, even though, you know, mechanically speaking, you need to replace both in order to have one of them operating correctly. But since one of them is okay, they're not going to pay for that. So there's all kinds of things like that you have to watch out for, even with a warranty, even with a zero deductible. Oh, I'm, I feel safe. I've got a zero deductible. I've got, well, not everything's going to be covered every time. So you got to be warned about that. You got to be, you have to be worrying about that. Okay, so this is uh, part two. Part three of the uh, upcoming podcast will be talking mostly about uh, a long-awaited uh, podcast. What's wrong with Western civilization? And I may just separate this. I may just end this podcast today, be able to get it up. It'll be half an hour or so, and then I'll do a full podcast that's just about the Western society um, and its downfall. Um, I have a, a very long blog post that I've written that's not done, but I'll crib from that. Uh, so that's what you can expect for next time. I'm going to try to get that up today, um, and we shall see. All right, so for Romy's Tea, signing off. Good night and good luck, America.